Welcome to Startup Q&A. Today we're going to talk about one of the questions that startups get a lot. Any company has this question come all the time, whether you're just starting or you have a new product or a new company. It's all about pricing and how to position the pricing. And since we're in Brian Cox's studio, I want to ask him about pricing because this is something that he works a lot with his clients. And my philosophy is it depends on how you want to be perceived in the marketplace. If you want to be perceived as a premium provider, then your pricing needs to reflect that. If you're just trying to get in the market and get some market share, then maybe your price is low and you uh, maybe don't make a lot of money on that initially. So, so Bri, you're a premium photographer. You speak all across the country and you're very expensive. So how did you figure out your pricing when you first when you first started and versus now? Because I'm sure it's changed over time. It's definitely changed. When I first started, I actually didn't want to be the cheap photographer either. That's good. Because why not? I realized well, there's there's kind of a product um, continuum. Like on one end, there's just things that are cheap that are just kind of made in a factory, and they're made just so many times that it's like those have to be cheaper than right. something that's custom made on the far end of the other spectrum. And photography is something that's custom made. Like if I make something for this client and they don't buy it, I can't just put it back on the shelf and sell it to the next person. I have to start again the next client. So for that mere fact, I mean the mere fact that it's custom means that it has to be more expensive. And also if it's more expensive than the perceived value, and this has been proven Scientifically, the perceived value in, in our brains is that it's higher quality. Right. So if you charge higher, then the people are going to perceive it as higher and probably be more happy. Right. So have you ever discounted any of your work and how, how does that go? Do they perceive it as being not as valuable if you're like running a special? and? Yeah. They, so I actually try not to run specials. The one special I do run is sometimes is a deal on the actual shoot, the actual session time. But the prints, photographs, they're always the same price. Okay, so you started out being high-priced. How did that affect your brand? I think it really helped. Because you probably turned down people that couldn't, didn't want to pay that or couldn't afford it, right? I turned down, and it was sometimes harder. Like, maybe I got some more training, or over the years I'd get better, and I'd go, you know, I bought, me bought more equipment or whatever, and i go, I have to raise my price a little bit. I have to raise my price a little bit. And people would come in, and they go, oh, that's just too much, and they would leave. But that's good. I think if yeah. you've got a service and nobody is leaving and nobody is saying your pricing is too high, yeah, then you're underselling yourself and you're missing out on that extra, that extra money that you could be bringing in, and uh, you're going to lose people. But you want to lose people because that shows that your pricing is about the same, the same around, around the right range. Yeah, and I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot. I use the Pareto principle when I'm letting people come and go. Mm-hmm. And I you know the, the Pareto principle is the 80-20 split. So basically I feel like if I don't have like 80% of the people going, whoa, that's too expensive, then I'm appealing to the wrong people. Then really I'm appealing to the 80% that... Yeah, then it's upside down. It's upside down, yeah. And then for that group, you really just have to be as cheap as possible because you're, mm-hmm. you're just trying to get as many people. Or me, I'd rather be more boutique, just super custom work for people who appreciate it and are willing to spend money. And for... For any kind of service business, especially, if you want if you want to charge, say you charge fifty dollars and you get ten clients versus a hundred dollars and five clients, right? You want fewer clients for the same amount of money, <laughs> right? Or more money, and yeah. so the more you can uh, increase your prices, either when you start or gradually increase it and see how what the resistance is, 
the fewer clients you have, your profit can actually go up because of that. Because each client, it's not linear. The more clients you have, the more time it takes for onboarding and management, and you've got to hire employees and have processes. So, so the fewer clients you have is actually more, more efficient most of the time. There was a case study I remember in my uh, in business school, I remember studying about this car wash that couldn't make it. And he kept dropping the price and dropping the price and dropping the price. Mm -hmm. And out of desperation, he was going out of business. He decided to just close down, repaint the place, open up, and make it $100 per car. But everything was custom. And it was by appointment. And he just went crazy. Couldn't, couldn't. From all the business. From all the business. Couldn't keep people away, really. He just was so busy because suddenly he hit the market right. He was like, hey, I'm custom. This is what people really want. Yeah. They want yeah, to be taken care of and spend a little bit. It's counterintuitive that we think maybe Walmart and Target and places like that have trained us to think that the lower the price is the better and yeah. the value and we want to provide value to customers. But a lot of times that's not the case. Yeah. Sometimes and most of the time, if you double your price or increase your price, it's actually going to be better for your business. Absolutely. And the only way to test that is to ask people to pay for it. You can do all the research you want and and read articles and ask people what they're willing to pay. But the only way you're going to know is if you actually test it and ask people to press that button or write a check. Do people still write checks? <laughs> I do. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Okay. Makes Brian, me feel like a man. <laughs> okay. That's weird. Brian, my grandma, <laughs> Brian, my grandma still write checks. So, so that's cool. Um, but if you, when you ask them to pay, then you actually get the data. Just yeah. doing a survey is crap. doesn't really... Right. Validate anything. Yeah, there was uh, another case study I remember from school was this vacuum that I think it was Kmart got for super cheap. And they were so cheap, they tried to sell it for like 30 bucks. They weren't selling any of them. And then they had some consultant come in. They go, put it in a better box, sell them for 100 bucks, and they sold out. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because of the perceived value. The money, people were like, well, for 30 bucks, how can that be a good vacuum? Right, yeah. And that, like I said at the beginning, scientifically has been proven that we think we associate the, the dollar value with the with the perceived value. So if we sell it for thirty, people think, okay, that's kind of a cheap vacuum. You yeah. can sell the same vacuum for two hundred, and people will think, oh man, that must be a really good, it must be good, really good vacuum. Yeah. Um, like I love Apple computers; they're great computers. But are they really worth the money? Are they really yeah, that much better for the price? <laughs> <laughs> they probably are. But but you could argue the case that. They're twice as much as a PC. Right. Are they twice as good? They might be 50% as good, but are they twice as good? Because they have that brand and they, they purposely have, have them be expensive. They're twice as good. They're twice as good. <laughs> For me, it's the hassle factor. That's true. That's uh, true. I mean, you could argue that they're similar parts. Well, they both have processors. They both have RAM. You know, you could say, well, the part's better. I kind of feel like the parts are a little better. I feel like Apple's mm-hmm. better about their parts. But in the end, it's for me, it's the operating system. I just know yeah, the lack of viruses. It's not going to give me problems. Yeah. And it's just the hassle factor. It's just going to work. Right. Well, compare Apple, which is, I think, now the largest company in the world by, mar- so. by market cap, yeah. versus all the other PC makers. They're able to be so profitable and so big because of the brand and their brand positioning. Yeah. And I'm not saying you should be a premium brand because, in a lot of cases, you want to be a different kind of brand. But they were able to command, command those prices because they identified that they want to be that kind of a brand. 
Yeah. And uh, whether the products justify it or not, that's a different argument. I think they do. You think they do. <laughs> uh, but, but each comp- company is different. If you go to Walmart and their motto is everything is cheap, yeah, then that attracts those kind of shoppers. We all know what kind of sh- shoppers are at Walmart. Yeah. Versus the kind of shoppers. <laughs> There's websites that, based on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can go to look at websites for Walmart, uh, shoppers of Walmart, or people yeah. of Walmart.com, I think it is. Uh, versus Nordstrom, you go in there and they're different kinds of people. So in your business, you need to identify what kind of people do you want as clients? What kind of people do you want in your business? And then price accordingly. Okay, I think we've, uh, I think we've, we've covered that. So um, if, if you have questions that you want us to answer, want me to answer about pricing or about your startup, then post it below. So post below, I'd like to know, are you trying to position yourself as a premium product or are you going more the Walmart route or somewhere in between? What's working for you?